0: Welcome to Wisdom Trek with Gramps. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, and we are on day 2269 of our trek. The purpose of Wisdom Trek is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, and to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. We are continuing the messages I delivered at Putnam Congregational Church over the past couple of years. This is the 18th of a 25 week message series covering the book of Hebrews. This message is titled, common people of uncommon faith. I pray that it will be a conduit of learning and encouragement for you. Sometimes you Well, thank you for being here today at Putnam Congregational Church as we continue our extended series through the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Now, last week we explored the right response, that we should not neglect this opportunity to draw near to God and come clean. And this week we're going to study the application of faith by common people with uncommon faith. It's a short passage today. It's Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. It's on page 1874 of your Pew Bibles. And this entire chapter is called Faith in Action. Follow along as I read. Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abram. By faith, Abel. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned of things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, that is, in keeping with faith. A Christian life of faith is somewhat of an enigma in the modern-day world that is dependent on our senses, dominated on the sensuals, and dissected by the sciences. Now in his book, A.W. Tozer writes, in the book called The Route to Righteousness, that faithful Christians feel supreme supreme love for one he has not seen, talks primarily every day with someone he cannot see, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. Now, the more skeptical and materialistic our world becomes, the more outlandish a person of faith will appear. How strange it will seem to take God at his word, believe in the unseen, and invest in eternity. Now, in light of this, it's easy to think that, in light of this, it's easy to think that perseverance in the life of faith is an honor that is reserved for just the elite league of heroic saints, with seemingly supernatural abilities to discern the invisible, believe the incredible, and stand against the inevitable. Church history is marked with memorials for these remarkable saints whose names don the churches, hospitals, universities, and even cities, such as Peter, Augustine, Aquinas, Lutheran, Calvin, Wesley, Moody, Schofield. It's a lineup of legends, and it's easy to overlook those unsung believers who modeled their faith, the life of faith outside the limelight, whose stories never made it into the history books. Many of those people have impacted my life. Now, functioning somewhat like a reader's digest, condensed version of the Old Testament, Hebrews 11 recounts biblical histories through the well-known and lesser-known heroes of God's epic story of redemption. Here we find common men and women who exhibited uncommon faith, faith that perplexed the people around them and pleased the God above them. We'll first look at Hebrews 11, 1-3, and then verse 6. Before he documents his journey of the faithful throughout Biblical history, the writer of Hebrews provides a simple but rich definition of faith in verses 1 and 2. Faith isn't a blind shot in the dark, or positive thinking, or arrogant presumption, or gullible naivete. Faith is confidence in God, a firm conviction of what He says is true, and what He promises He will do. Let me give you an example between the New International Version and the New Living Translation of what faith is, two parallels. In the New International Version, the confidence in what we hope for. and the New Living Translation, the reality of what we hope for. Next, it goes on to say in the NIV, the assurance of what we do not see. Or in the NLT, it says the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, if we compare confidence or reality and it refers to the essence of a substance that works, with, that stands under something of a foundation of support. And it's partnered with these words of assurance and evidence. These things constitute a ground of holding, holding that which is true, the invisible reality of spiritual things, and the trustworthiness of God's future promises. Verse 1 faith is the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. Now, When building a basic structure, the rule is, the taller the structure, the deeper the foundation must be. The foundation must go to the very bedrock for very tall buildings to stand firm. And so it is with a life of faith. To have strong faith, it must be embedded in the bedrock of God's word. Now, This dense definition therefore points to a state of faith, that is, believing, and then the activity of faith, that is, being faithful. Such faith simply isn't limited to the things present but invisible or the things future and unknowable, as verse one would say. Faith is also a necessity to take God at his word regarding things past as unobservable. Take for instance, creation, God's creation of all things out of nothing. Not only by faith in God's record of creation, can we understand that God himself is responsible for creating our incomprehensible universe. And when the Hubble Telescope was first launched, we were amazed at the images that it returned to us. And it's still amazing. But with the re- release of the James Webb Telescope and a recently released European Union Telescope, the massiveness of our universe and the incomprehensibleness of it is just beyond even understanding. We can make philosophical arguments for the existence of a first cause, such as a Big Bang theory. Or points to scientific evidence that truly there is an intelligent designer, which there is, but ultimately, without faith in the Almighty Creator, as listed in Genesis chapter one, verse one, we'll never grasp the foundational truth. To complete the examination of the Father, to complete our examination of the author's definition of faith, allow me to do something that I normally don't do, which is jump ahead a few verses. I usually go verse by or chapter by chapter and verse by verse. But Hebrews 11 verse 6 is set aside. While describing those first three examples of faithfulness today, the author inserts a line that future defines a life of faith by explaining how this faith works. A life of faith presupposes an attitude of humble obedience, which is at work in itself. There's three ways that faith works itself out. First, by faith, we come to God. It suggests an acknowledgement that He is a great source of everything that there is. And of everything we need. We come to Him, as it were, with open hands and open hearts. He isn't dodging or hiding from us, He's always there. We simply go to Him through faith. The second way is by faith, we believe that He is. And this suggests that we set aside the need to see with our human eyes or touch with our human hands. We replace that show me and prove it attitudes of skepticism with the Christian attitudes of openness and trust. And third, by faith, we trust him to keep his word. He has promised to reward those who seek him by believing in him and coming to him by faith. By faith, we know that because of the nature of God, which is all-powerful and all-knowing, and his character, which is faithful and true, he is, therefore, trustworthy, worthy of our trust. We can depend on him completely. A person of faith, then, believes what God says without questioning, and therefore does what God says Without arguing. Now, the second Secretary General of the UN was Dag Hammarskjöld, and he was observing a believer, and he described the believer who exhibited this kind of living faith. He said, He broke fresh ground because, and only because, he had the courage to go ahead without asking whether others are following or even understood. He did not need a divided responsibili- responsibility in which others seek to be safe from. That is ridicule, because he was granted faith. A faith which required no confirmation. And that's the type of faith that gains approval from God, in verse 2. From a neutral perspective, such a life of faith may seem risky or even reckless. But the reality that there is no risk, none, nil, nada. Because of the trustworthy character of God, because of who he is, we can step out in faith, knowing... He will embrace us like an attentive, loving mother reaching out to catch a toddler taking the first haphazard steps. Sure, that child does not fall. And so often we in our Christian life are like that. We are stumbling along, but God is there reaching out to assure us that we will not fall. Now, on the other side of your Bolton insert, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to the application, but I want to first go over five facts of faith from Hebrews 11. Those five facts are the first one, faith builds assurance and conviction in 11 verse 1. It drives out doubt about the past. It drives out insecurity in the present. And it drives out the fear that we may have for the future. Fact number two, faith faces the future with confidence. It solidifies the hope that we stand for amid of our gale-force storms that we go through in life. We go through physical issues. We go through financial struggles. We go through other issues in our life. But faith can give us the confidence to carry on. Fact number three, faith focuses on the invisible reality in verse 1, or one and 3 because it perceives the things that we can't see, which unbelievers will never accept, but we who believe. Had the faith to do so. Fact number four faith fulfills its purposes in pleasing God. In verses two and six, it can't be substituted by good works, good feelings, or good intentions. In fact number five, faith fixes our lives fully on God. That means fixes our sight, our lives fully on Him. It takes seriously God's promises and rewards for faithfulness. And so we move on to verses four and five and then in verse seven with a definition of faith that frames what Hebrews 11 talks about, the author then starts painting the colorful life of a believer. Those who believe and have faith, it gives us the color for life. He launches a lineup of what we'll call, over the next three weeks, procession of faith. But he doesn't start with Father Abraham, who was the father of the Hebrew nation and the most respected ancestor in the lineage. It doesn't start with Moses the Deliverer, who was the leader of the nation of Israel. It doesn't even start with King David, who was the ultimate king of Israel, or the prophet of Elijah. To illustrate the profound definition of faith with practical lives of faithfulness, the author of Hebrews begins with a shepherd, a preacher, and a builder, three common people of uncommon faith. In verse 4, he introduces us to a shepherd named Abel. And with this name mention of Abel, it takes us back to the very beginning of humanity, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And shortly thereafter, they had Abel. Abel was a shepherd, while his brother Cain was a farmer. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, it tells us. But though not mentioned in the text of Genesis, it's implied that God had made known what his requirements were going to be and were to, for an offering if you're going to authentically worship him. That offering, off, offering had to be a sacrifice of blood to cover the sins that they committed. And because of this, God told Abel that he did well in Genesis 4, verse 7. Because he obeyed by offering an animal sacrifice to God, which he demanded. But Cain decided to do things his own way. And he offered the fruits of his labor, some vegetables or fruits, as his offering. But that's not what God had asked for. And you probably know the end result. God approved of Abel's sacrifice in faith, but he disapproved of Cain's. In Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And then in a fit of jealousy, Cain killed his brother for doing what was right in God's eyes. This first example in the demonstration of faith, taking God at his word, involved trusting God and responding rightly to that belief. It also illustrates the painful truth that faithful obedience sometimes results in persecution. And we are blessed To live in such a country where we don't really know persecution for our faith, but there are countries that do. Persecution so bad that some even lose their life for their faith, as Abel did for his faith. It reflects our fallen human nature to try to come to God on our own terms, offering God things that he never asked for such as good works, artificial rituals, or even sincere intentions. God says, I want you to obey me, but all I ask first is you have faith in me, that you believe that I am, and that I provided the sacrifice for you. God asks for simple trust and obedience, doing what he says even when we don't understand why. There'll be times of that. It's possible that the author is even drawing a subtle parallel between Cain and his self-willed offering with those obsolete sacrifices of the Old Testament, who covered sin but did not eradicate sin. And he's comparing that with Abel's obedient offering to God, that once and for all offering of Jesus Christ, who eradicated our sin. In God's sight, he doesn't see any sin when he sees us through Jesus Christ. The second example of faith is that of Enoch in verse 5. And because of his faith was exhibited in his life and it was pleasing to God, this mysterious figure of that pre-flood era was taken up by God without experiencing death himself. The rest of the Bible, the biography of Enoch is very sketchy. There's very little mention about Enoch. The original account of this miraculous rapture into heaven is only found in four verses in Genesis. And we're told twice in that, those four verses that he walked with God. We also say, it says he fathered children, and we're told that God had taken him away in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Besides that, it's only the book of Jude that mentions him in verses 14 and 15. It tells us that Enoch was a prophet who foresaw the future judgment of God. Now, there are books of Enoch that were written in the intertestamental period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're not part of Scripture, but they were quoted both by Jude and by Peter. They weren't written by Enoch, but they're written about Enoch's life. So we know a little bit more about Enoch based on those books, but according to the canon of Scripture, we only see these two brief mentions of Enoch. Enoch. Another thing we do know about Enoch, that he lived in the closing generations right before Noah's flood. He lived with righteousness and raised his children during an increasingly perverse and wicked world that would have scorned his life of faith. Enoch's faith, which kept in step with God and out of step with his generation, pleased God so much that God took him from the earth before the flood happened. The next the writer of Hebrews in verse 7, turns to a much better known hero of the faith, which is Noah. However, even though the book of Genesis spends six chapters on Noah, Genesis chapter 5 through 10, the author of Hebrews puts it into a Reader's Digest version, one single verse about the life of Noah. And that's verse 7 of chapter 11. He focuses on the faith of this just one verse and focuses the faithfulness in a condemned world. When God warned Noah of the impending flood, those things have not yet seen. Noah didn't understand it. Up to that point, it hadn't even rained. As Noah says, build a boat, an ark, put all the animals in it. It was by faith that Noah is able to do that. He reverently built an ark in obedience to the Lord's command. Genesis describes Noah as a righteous man, blameless in his generation, who, like Enoch, walked with God and found favor in his eyes in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, or chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. It's all the more remarkable, though, when we realize the depth of the depravity and the height of the wickedness of the world in his day. All contemporaries were wicked, and every intent and thought of their hearts were continually evil. Sometimes we tend to get perplexed about life. Woe is me! Things are getting horrible, and, and from a human perspective, things seem pretty bad at times. But it's nothing compared to what Noah faced in his day. We see the gospel being continually spread throughout the world. We see the kingdom of God continuing to build. We see the ability to worship God openly and freely. We see those who are coming to faith expanding every day. So yes, the world may not be what we think it used to be, but there's cycles in history. And today, we have it pretty good compared to what even Noah had to deal with. Talk about Noah being out of sync with this world, though. I'm sure somebody, everybody around Noah ridiculed him and his family as they waited for the waters of that flood and before you know it, it swept him all away. Nevertheless, Noah trusted God and he obeyed him. He put faith to work believing God's word over public opinion. Now, each of these men, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, exemplified a very definition of a life of faith. They lived in light of the invisible reality. They lived in love for an invisible God in anticipation of an invisible future. And each of them, like all of us, people of faith, Receive the reward to those that please God. It was not by works, but by faith alone. So what is our application of this passage today, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 7? Return your focus to the bulletin insert in that center section there. Abel, Enoch, and Noah, all common men of uncommon faith, by faith Abel approached God the way God described and paid for it with his life. Enoch proclaimed God's word by faith, and God rescued him from the world, and by faith Noah fulfilled God's will and became the deliverer, not only of his own family, but all of humanity and all of the animal life on earth. These three different outcomes of faithfulness illustrated a life of faith, and they'll look different for each of these three, just as it'll be different in your life of faith from my life of faith. The key is that we remain faithful. I ask you, how about your life? Like Abel, do you obey God even when others don't? Even when it doesn't seem to make sense? Even when you want to have your way and think it's good enough? Do you simply trust and obey, paying the world's price for the obedience to God? Abel paid the ultimate price for his obedience, which was his life. Indeed, we can worship and serve the Lord amid no matter what struggles we have in this world even if it means discomfort, ridicule, or persecution. Like Enoch, do we walk with God raising our families in the right way, even when the very definition of the family is going in the wrong way, or so it would seem? If faith were the topic of conversation in a neighborhood gathering, would our family come up as an example of Christ followers? If someone looked at our families, would they see one who stood out from the crowd, Or do we just go along with the flow? And like Noah, do we invest our time and energy, our finances, and our skills to focus on God's calling and his work for you? Is your life and your work impacting the lives of others, taking God at his word, and investing in the lives of others to impact them for all eternity? It doesn't matter what you're doing as far as your occupation, because our occupation as believers is to build the kingdom of God. The key is, is your life reflecting that on a daily basis? Or do you focus on your own ambitions, priorities, and pursuits in the world, which is passing away? When Christ comes for a second time, and he makes the world new, a new global Eden, which will dwell in for all eternity between heaven and earth, that's when what we need to focus on today in our life of faith. So whether you're making an offering to God, whether you're speaking out on his behalf, or obeying his word, God looks for one thing, and one thing only, and that is faith. Faith that is willing to step out in faithfulness. The faith that is, as verse 1 tells us, the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things that we cannot see. And that's what we need in our life of faith. A faith that goes on beyond human compre- comprehension to knowing that we're living for the Lord. And that's why we gather here on a Sunday to encourage one another to love and to good deeds. Now, next week, we'll continue our study of common people of uncommon faith, and we'll include additional examples in a message titled, Faithful Walks That Are Worth Following. So I'd encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 22, in preparation for next week's message. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your love, your goodness, your mercy to us. We thank you for this book of Hebrews that we've been studying all these weeks. We thank you for chapter 11, who clearly explains to us what faith is and what is expected, who clearly shows us examples of faith that we can follow, Father, uncommon people like us There are common people like us who have uncommon faith, Father. We realize that our faith is built in you. May we trust and obey, because there's no other way. We pray, Father, that you'll give us the strength today and throughout this next week to have faith that reflects your goodness and your mercy to us, Father. Faith in you, that you are in control of all things, and we need to rest in that, Father. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I pray that this message was a blessing and a time of learning from God's word. Thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend. As I serve you through the wisdom Trek podcast and journal each day. As we take this track of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously